0: As I said it before, and I'm going to say it now, to the greatest fans in professional sports, Las Vegas,
1: we are world champions.
2: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
0: Right there you heard Aces and Raiders owner Mark Davis addressing the crowd at the parade yesterday, the celebration for the LV Aces. Hoisting their first championship, bringing the championship home to Las Vegas, and to talk all about that is our good friend Paloma Vilicano from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, before we get into the parade and the celebration, um, are you still eating at that restaurant? Are you still uh, hearing some country music in the background, <laughs> as I saw on Twitter?
2: I, you know, I hopped into my car to take your call because, yeah, I'm just I'm having lunch at a, at a Thai restaurant. Man, they're playing okay, so they're playing country music at this Thai restaurant, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, man, I know every song. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, where are my boots? I'm about to go, you know, swing dancing somewhere. Like, and then I was like, man, I'm proud of myself. I know every word. <laughs>
0: See, well, and I mean, you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you're you're a you're a TCU alum. You you were there in Fort Worth. You had to get your oh, your share of country music there, right? I was like,
2: you know, I haven't listened to country music in a while, but I was like, (laughs) I know every single word to all these songs, and I was like, I'm about to go put my boots on and go somewhere, so...
0: There you go. Well, the Raiders play the Titans in Nashville, so there you go. There you can you go. go make that trip on Sunday. But I know you yeah, got you and you got UNLV to cover as well. But Paloma, let's let's yeah. get to let's get to the Aces in that championship parade. And I'll tell you, I was excited to go to the parade and check it out, and I didn't get to catch up with you, but I, I did get to get like close to the stage and see what was going mm-hmm. on. I didn't know what to expect, but the turnout was amazing. What did you think about the crowd that was there celebrating the Aces?
2: I mean, it was bigger than the NFL draft. For sure, because I was out there at Bellagio Fountains doing the red carpet for the NFL draft. There was a crowd for the NFL draft, for sure. You know, for sure there was a crowd on the strip. I never seen anything like that. I mean, for the strip to be closed in both directions and for, you know, you not even being able to move out there because there were so many people. First of all, it was just incredible to see that for a WNBA team, the support for women, uh, the support for, for women achieving a world championship, uh, to see all of Las Vegas and whatever tourists were in town completely pack the strip shoulder to shoulder. I mean, I just have to look around me and say, this is this is historic. This is history. I have never seen anything like this ever in my life, you know, no matter where I've worked. I've never seen anything like that before. And it was just, it was incredible. I was telling everyone around me, you know, this will be a night I will forever remember in the history of my life, just um, celebrating these women and uh, celebrating amazing, hard working women to beat down the Seattle storm, take down the Connecticut sun uh, and, and two really hard series. Too. So uh, to witness what we saw last night to witness the ACE of season we saw to see Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray and, and Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young and Raquana Williams, to see all of these players perform in front of us. Um, we are truly honored to be here in Las Vegas and see that.
0: No, we really are. And I went down there with the intention to get a couple of interviews and bring it back to the show. And, you know, again, I didn't know what to expect, but I never got any of that. I didn't get any interviews, but what I saw <laughs> with my eyes and what, like the videos I was able to take and the pictures, that was worth it right there. Cause like you said, I w- that's something I won't forget. That was actually, that was like next level. What do you think that that mm-hmm. means for the city of Las Vegas, that that championship was brought home?
2: Well, I tweeted something last night that, you know, what the Aces did last night has changed the WNBA forever, forever. I mean, to have that kind of support for those women who play in the WNBA, to have that support for Becky Hammond, and and to hear from viewers, from fans, from locals, I'm here, like one lady came up to me and said, I've never had a WNBA team before. I've never watched the WNBA before, but this is my team and this is my squad. And these are the players that I'm going to follow for the rest of my life. You know, for to have a fan who, who never had a WNBA team before come up to me and say that, I'm like, it, I mean, this is amazing. It's amazing to see, um, you know, what the aces have done here in Las Vegas. Amazing. But what they're doing, you know, countrywide you know nationwide league-wide and then these players are going to go overseas you know and you know wherever they play overseas they're going to have an impact overseas and you know for every outlet every national outlet to to take a, a live shot of Las Vegas last night it just shows that not only are the aces you know changing the culture in the WNBA but man they have changed the culture in women's basketball just just worldwide. So incredible to see that. I have goosebumps talking about it, you know. <laughs> it's just incredible. I'm I'm so proud of of not only what they what they do on the court, but just the impact they're having off the court too. So Uh, It's amazing to
0: see. Yeah, it really is. And I'm glad you mentioned the live shots and and taking it nationally because, again, it sheds a light on Las Vegas. that's not just a strip, not just casinos, Mm -hmm. not just parties, not just 24-hour access to whatever you want, but also uh, women in sports being celebrated for a championship. I think that's a big deal Mm -hmm. to see it nationally like you said nationwide so that's a great point that you brought up again we're talking with paloma Villacana from fox five sports she was there covering the aces parade the championship celebration yesterday down on the strip damon you got one for her
3: yeah i was watching the parade on tv with adam hill we were watching fox five got to give you guys the plug and one of the anchors he goes hey we're gonna have to take it away we're not we can't play all the audio because it's the language is getting a little salty (laughs) Yeah. So, you were there, Paloma. From what you saw, who was the MVP of the parade celebration?
2: Mm. Ooh, of the parade? Well, A.J. Wilson, she was. She led it from the front. You know, she got the glasses, the bandana. Uh, KP was taking— K- KP was catching cell phones on the top of, of the of the bus and taking selfies with people's cell phones. And people were throwing jerseys up at Kelsey Plum for her to sign. So, that was amazing. Chelsea Gray was was lit man too. Yes. She she was yes. it was I mean it's the wor- you're a world champ and you know it's not every day that you are celebrating a world championship on the Las Vegas strip with all the lights on and you know thousands of fans. So I mean we're talking about how amazing that night was, you know, for us. Yeah. I'm sure that was just, you know, that's a dream come true, you know, you work your whole life for that moment. So Chelsea Gray was lit. Yeah. The Rooks the Rooks were lit. <laughs> Sydney, how about Sydney? Uh,
0: you know Sydney was lit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was lit
3: too-
2: but it was just like I know everyone was like, "Oh, the cussing," but I was like, "Man, they they are living their best life," yeah. and um, I'm, I was just so happy for every single one of them last night.
0: Yeah, they, they were having a good time. I got to say, the MVP of the parade was Chelsea Gray, but that's because she was repping the Bay. She had that E40. Tell me when to go on, and she was she was getting hyphy, and Mark Davis <laughs> yeah. even got a little bit of hyphy too. So that was I thought that was really cool. So MD was representing. So Paloma, that's what I wanted to ask you next. Though was about Mark Davis and his commitment to making that a winning product, saying, I'm going to go out and get the highest pr- price coach and bring her in because I believe in her. I'm going to make sure that the players that she needs to get this job done, she has. When you look at the big picture, and I said this on my podcast today, I feel like if you're a Raider fan, you got to feel pretty excited that you are a fan of a team with the owner that wants to win and will do whatever it takes to get a championship.
2: Yeah, and, and Becky Hammond said last night, you know, people talk all the time. Everyone talks all the time, you know, and, and, and Mark Davis actually puts his mouth where what he's speaking to, you know, he puts money into what he's actually talking about. Um and, you know, the the facility they're building right next door to the Raiders headquarters. Yep. Um and, and you know, grabbing Becky Becky Hammond, I mean, she was a huge hire, you know, she yep. was being considered by NBA teams as, Mm -hmm. as a head coach. And, you know, for him to, to, to grab her and, you know, have her come here to Las Vegas. And then, you know, he hired Nikki Fargus. He hired uh, Natalie Williams, you know, he hired, you know, everyone else in that front office. Um, and you know, what he's doing with the Raiders with Sandra Douglas Morgan. So, um, yeah, if you're a Raiders fan, you do have to be excited about, you know, his vision and and what he wants for the city of Las Vegas. And I'm sure the Aces winning a championship only fuels and fires him to do whatever it takes for the Raiders to win a championship here in Las Vegas and hiring the right people and hiring uh, the right personnel and doing whatever it takes. Uh, for the Raiders to win a title here.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's all I could think of as I was standing in front of the stage watching the celebration and watching how happy mm-hmm. he was. I, I was an eye I, like, I spy, Mark Davis. I kept my eyes on him, and he was so <laughs> happy and so yeah. celebratory. And I just realized, could you imagine, and I'll ask you this, Paloma, could you imagine if the Raiders won a championship, what that celebration would look like on the strip?
2: insane insane i know it would be insane um and and yeah i mean a lot of a lot of fans last night were fired up too they were like wow if this is how the aces are doing it this is how the aces are doing it like man they just set the bar high for you know whatever team wins, wins the title next here in las vegas and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because the Aces fans are also Raiders fans, yep. you know, so it's like you, you have the same person in one, and I heard that a lot last night. They were like, man, I, I want everything it takes for the Raiders to win a title here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas so we can go absolutely nuts. Um, You know, the NFL draft was just like a little taste of, wow, this is what we could do in, in the city, you know, and last night was just amazing, too, so yeah a lot of a lot of fans just you know hopeful and and you know excited to see what the city of Las Vegas would do if the Raiders you know, want a Super Bowl?
0: You know, and, and on top of that, Darren Waller was you know in the celebration. He was in the parade with yeah. Kelsey Plum, yeah. so he he got a little taste test of, wh- yeah. of what it might feel like. So maybe he goes back and says, "Guys, huh, exactly. guys, we got to get this done, man. This this city <laughs> will be lit, boy. This city will do a real big oh, for us. Yeah. That would be a hell of a celebration." Again, we're talking with Paloma Villacano from Fox Five Sports, and before we let you go, we did want to ask you a couple of UNLV questions. They they yeah. got the dub on Saturday over North Texas. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there at two and one, and honestly, Paloma, I think they could easily be three and right now in the season they lost the game to cal but they could have mm-hmm. easily won that in my opinion what have you seen mm-hmm. from this team that makes you know they, it seems to me like they've really turned the corner
2: yeah i think i think just mentally too you know a lot of the game is is mental um and you know to get one win under your belt where you post you know 50 plus points against idaho state that feels good you know that definitely feels good to start off the season strong you lose a close game at Cal, a game in the fourth quarter where, you know, you you knew you could have won. That game was up for grabs. You know, you knew you could have won that game. So I think that Cal loss, you know, really motivated the team, like, man, we had that. We had that win, you know, in our hands and, and that that ball game got, got away from us. So they were like, I don't we don't want to do that again. Like no one wants to do that again. So they came out um, you know, against North Texas and lit it up, lit it up on, on both sides of the ball, man, and block punt, like it was it was a crazy game. I mean they posted sixty points on Saturday, so right. I think a lot of a lot of it is mental, just you know, being mentally strong and hungry and, and staying at at the facility, you know, late at night. And, you know, I was sitting down with their running back, Aiden Robbins, today. And he told me, it's just, you know, he transferred from Louisville to UNLV. And I said, you know, what difference are you seeing from from Louisville and and UNLV? And he said, the reason why I came to UNLV is because on my tour, you know, I was walking around the Fertitta football complex and it was early in the morning and it was packed. The whole facility was packed. And this was in the summer, you know, in the off hours in the summer. And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm coming here. These guys are hungry. They want to win. Uh, you know, their their work ethic is 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 you know there." And he said, "This is where I want to be. This is where I can be successful." Um, and I just think we're just seeing that that mental switch from the rebels this year um, to to go out and win games. And like you said, they could you know easily easily win on Saturday. So, um, but that's you know credit to Coach Arroyo and his coaching staff. You know, picking up transfers you know kind of changing the culture this year with older more mature and experienced players that want to win and and are hungry to win and and change the culture at UNLV
3: yeah you mentioned changing the culture and that's one of the quotes that Aiden Robbins said when he said hey man we're changing the culture here and that's good to see so are you noticing that even with the demeanor on the sidelines as the game is Mm -hmm. progressing where this team were I'm I'll be honest the blowouts weren't there last season, so I don't know. Are you even seeing that difference from the team? When well, you said mentally, but just to say the swagger of the team, are you seeing that difference yeah. on the sidelines on Saturdays?
2: The number one thing Coach Arroyo tells me he likes that he's seeing right now is the communication. The communication on the sideline, the communication, you know, in live action, the togetherness. Uh, you know that that whole team is locked in. You know that whole team. There's not one player that's like, "Oh, I'm injured." I'm it, this one out because I'm injured all, all the guys that are banged up are probably you know screaming and jumping more you know so um, it's it's the togetherness it's the communication um, on both sides of the ball that coach Royal is really seeing this year um, he told me his guys are playing physical violent aggressive and that's exactly what he wants to see from his guys this year and I do think that the transfers that came in from the power five programs are bringing that experience they're bringing that work ethic they're bringing that that Power 5 work ethic to this program that are maybe kind of, you know, pushing the younger guys like Kyle Williams and Doug Brumfield to work harder and to, you know, be more competitive in the room. Like, oh, you got some wide receivers, you know, you got some other Power 5 transfers. Okay, I need to step up my game too. So it's great to see that the transfers and the older players have really, you know, pushed and motivated uh, maybe some of the, the, the UNLV guys to, to work harder and elevate the competition. And we're seeing that in live action. So that's exciting.
3: Mountain West play starts on Saturday as the team's going to go up to Utah State and take on them. How important is it for not, not a must win, but just to see if they can put all the pieces together in non-conference play and put it together with a win when they finally face another team in the Mountain West? I
2: think just the energy they're riding this week too, you know, coming off Aiden Robbins, offensive player of the week, Doug Brumfield also, you know, being recognized for his quarterback stats, um, you know, just the the offensive performance they're coming off of 58 points against North Texas. Like you got to keep that rolling. you got to keep that rolling, like ride the momentum, you know, you got to keep that rolling. And um of course, coach Royal always says by Sunday, they are well over that game onto Utah state and, uh, Utah State's one and two, man. They they are. But you know what? I was going through their film saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. These are the reigning Mountain West champions, too. You know, they took down San Diego. They dominated San Diego State last year in the Mountain West Championship. But like Coach Royo says, every year is a brand new team in college football now. you got a brand new roster every single year of, of college football. So even though the Aggies won the Mountain West Championship last year, it's still a brand new roster, brand new year. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping UNLV, you know, wins on the road. They, 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 they feel like, I feel like that that's the momentum, the energy in the building right now is that, you know, they're ready. They're ready to win a mountain West championship and go to a bowl game this year. (laughs)
0: Championship go. talk. <laughs> that's that's you know, music.
3: I'm your hype girl for sure. I'm your right. hype girl. Uh, I was just thinking for a bowl game, but I didn't. I wasn't even thinking Mountain West Championship. You're speaking into existence. I love it.
0: There you go. Yeah, man. You go
2: <laughs> up to any UNLV football player, and they will tell you that they are winning the Mountain West Championship this year.
0: There it is. Now, now you got Demond all pumped up. Now he's going to be rolling around on cloud oh, nine yeah. for the rest of the show. <laughs> there he goes. Well, Paloma, great stuff. What do you got coming out yes. on the Rev Zone that we should be on the lookout for?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting down with Aiden Robbins, amazing kid, you know, a uh, transfer from Louisville. He's, he's Southern. So he's got, he's got, you know, just a great story of, you know, just traveling all over the country, trying to find the right school. And he landed at UNLV and now he's carrying it up seven touchdowns in three games, Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. So he's a big back, man, 6'3", 230, UNLV, he, he's, he's got potential to be a star running back at UNLV, so excited to sit down with Aiden, and then we're on the road, I love being on the road, because we got to showcase, you know, just the Rebels and how they work and how they prepare on the road, which is so fun, um, so, but man, this this will be my first weekend where I'm not, like, you know, hunting down the Aces and going to <laughs> Aces games and right. calling highlights, and. Sometimes when Coach Royo comes into the studio, I'm like, man, hold on. I'm watching this Aces game. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's stressing me out. So so now now I feel like I'm just locked in on, on football season. So that's good.
0: There you go. Well, Paloma, you do a fantastic job. I can't tell you enough, and we definitely uh, appreciate you every time you chime in on the show. So we thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Yeah, thanks. for
0: you guys. All right, there she goes. Paloma Villicana getting back to her restaurant and her uh, Nashville uh, country music that she was listening to. Having a good old time. 3.20 is the time. The injury report for the Raiders and the Titans is officially out. We'll tell you about that. We'll get some more of your texts and calls. And... We'll get to uh, my man, Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. Find out all you need to know about Justin Heron, uh, the offensive tackle from the New England Patriots that the Raiders traded for a little earlier this afternoon. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Yeah, I think, I think again, I don't read too much into feelings and, and those kind of things because I think sometimes you can talk yourself into, uh, well, we're more desperate than somebody else or they're more desperate than we are or You know, I mean, we should all be desperate to win each week, you know, in in my opinion. And I think that's the way our team should think. And hopefully that's the way they do think, you know, and we don't we don't ever take the field to do anything other than win. So, um, you know, we have the same urgency this week as we have.
4: Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness.
0: Unnecessary Roughness.
4: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
4: Here's your boy Q.
0: Got Mike DeBate host of Locked On Patriots coming up at 3.30. Going to talk about Justin Huron, new offensive tackle that the Raiders just traded for us. They gave up a sixth-round pick in 2024 for Justin and a seventh-round pick in 2024. So there you go, Justin and a seventh-round pick for a sixth-round pick in 2024. It goes back to the Patriots, and that's just some more depth at the point at the at the moment right now. Uh, for the Raiders offensive line, but we'll get a little bit of details on what to expect from Justin coming up at 3.30 with Mike DeBate. We threw the question out there, who's a player or player that you'd like to see more involved in the game plan, offensively or defensively, and uh, got a lot of good feedback on the Ash text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Had a text earlier about uh, seeing the offense be dominant up and down the field, see uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby wrecking shop like uh, was reported during the offseason, and then also Jayon Brown, and so uh, I had to uh, clarify what I was saying, which is good. Uh, you know, I have to put it out there just because, at you know, you got to always make sure that what you say is quoted correctly. Just just because, unfortunately, it's a lot of times taken out of context. But my man from the 408 hit us back and said, "Uh, um, I was just I wasn't quoting you. I was just talking about the station pumping up the offense. Dudes like Vinny saying the offense was going to be special, which I think is possible, and I do too. I do think the offense should be special. And I'll say this, uh, and and I and everyone could quote me on this. I didn't. I, if you had told me this team would have been zero and two at this point of the season, you, I would have bet you money that you were wrong because I did not see this team being zero and two. I thought they were going to come out of the the gates a lot faster. One because I felt like they had to because of the the, the division that they play in and the conference that they play in. Um, and I picked them to win the first two games, but I picked them to win th- to lose this game against Tennessee. So I was wrong the first two weeks. I hope I'm wrong again. I hope I'm wrong for the third week in a row, right? Because again, I I picked them to actually lose against Tennessee, but I didn't know Tennessee was going to look like they look, you know, so far in the season. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a big, uh, you know, a big question: is what Tennessee Titans team are the Raiders actually playing on Sunday? Vegas Pete said this is for Demond. I haven't heard yet from anyone via call or email regarding the Oktoberfest tickets that I won on Monday. So there you go. Uh, he can
3: come pick him up at the station, actually.
0: Okay, there you go. Vegas Pete, there you go. He also said, I like the five-man line they used Sunday Q. We did miss Perryman, though his toughness, through his toughness and tackling. I want to see more runs and screens. The D-backs played great, though, didn't they? You were worried about them. Play Coontz more, bring Abram on the blitz so this week we can hang out. Uh, Hang on to the eight-point lead with three minutes. Congrats to Mark Davis and the Aces. The strip was crazy. That's for Vegas Pete. And, uh, yeah, I thought that the secondary played pretty well. I didn't like – the one thing I didn't like, and this is more of a reflection on Patrick Graham, uh, I didn't like the soft zone that they played, especially late in the game. I thought that at some point you got to switch it up only because the Cardinals were taking it, right? If if they were allowed an 8- to 10-yard pass completion, they would take it. That soft zone to me, I know that the Raiders didn't want to get beat deep, but at some point I felt like these guys needed to man up and, and really beat these guys up on the line of scrimmage and, and force them to run a crisp route and force them to beat them on a route. So that, that, was, my, that was my only real problem that I had with what I saw with, uh, you know, in particular the secondary on Sunday. But, again, I feel like that, that was more of a Patrick Graham calling what he wanted to see them do, if that makes sense. I, just, I, I wasn't a big fan of that uh, at all. Uh 831 Raider said after seeing the first two games, I want to see more Adams and Josh Jacobs. It was unacceptable not feeding Adams last game, and we need to give props to the defense. They've been doing a good job. Chandler Jones needs to find himself. LOL. Have a good one. Q and DeMond. Um, and I think that's all we got so far. Yep, that's all we got so far. So you can always hit us up at 69187, keyword R and R. You know, I wouldn't mind, especially if Chandler Jones is not going to be playing at the level that we all expected him to play at. I wouldn't mind to see Tashaun Bauer out there. You know, I I would be one of those guys that if you're not doing your job, someone else can, and it shouldn't matter how much you get paid. And I know that everyone doesn't sign up for that, and I'm not saying that that's the case when it comes to Chandler Jones and, the and you know, this coaching staff. I'm not saying that they are just playing him because he's the high-dollar high offseason acquisition. But I would have no problem if, you know, he's not getting home. They say, you know what? Let's bring Deshaun Bauer in. He did really well in the preseason. Let's see if he can get some, some reps in in the regular season. Let's see if Malcolm Koontz can do what he does. Malcolm Koontz seems to get home on a limited amount of snaps. He seems like he always gets home. So those are a couple guys that I would look at and say I would have no problem seeing them, uh, seeing them – in action, a little bit more than we've seen so far through two weeks. But we'll get back to that again. Players, a uh, player or players that you'd like to see a little bit more, either offensively or defensively, added to the Raiders game plan, hit us up at 69187 keyword R&R. Right now on the phone lines from Locked On Patriots is my guy, Mike Debate. And Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. Wanted to get some insight on uh, justin haran the the offensive tackle that the raiders traded with the patriots for earlier today i know he uh he only allowed one sack a season to go and uh he seemed like he was pretty decent but i i don't, I don't know and, and i know that you cover the patriots like a glove so what could you tell us about justin
4: yeah i think you guys are definitely getting a solid depth piece q there's no question about it he was a good reserve swing tackle for the new england patriots Came in as a six-round draft pick, 195 overall in 2020. Played in 28 games for the past two-plus seasons. Hadn't taken a regular season snap through two games played. That's not so much a knock on Justin as it is a real, uh, I think, uh, compliment to Yadnik who really came in and played very well in the offseason, really played very well in training camp and in the preseason and essentially beat Justin out for the position of reserve swing tackle. But, look, there's positive components to his game. He does great job in pass protection in terms of how he frames the rushers, keeps them at the end of his reach. That's where Justin is at his sweet spot. Very patient, works to stay square on the perimeter, and he's got pretty decent quickness in his feet. One of the things that I really look for in him is he's got a little bit of lack of functional strength. I think that's where he struggled a little bit, and I think reuniting with someone like Carmen Brasillo and Josh McDaniels is going to be exactly what he needs moving forward. I like his body control, but there is some question on that in the run game, and that can be restrictive when he's looking to create a vertical push. So all in all... The Raiders definitely have a little bit of a project in Justin, but a lot of upside there. And I like what he brings to the table. And the Raiders are the right spot for him.
0: You know, I saw he had a couple years left on his deal. And then head coach Josh McDaniels mentioned earlier today that he's looking forward to his development. So and, and from what it sounds like, like you said, he, he's a somewhat of a project that the, the Raiders are going to have on their hands. How much development do you think he needs before he could be a guy that they could rely on more times than not?
4: I think you're going to see them continue to develop him this year. Justin had a very solid year last year. He found himself starting in a few games. He found himself being relied upon, especially when Isaiah Wynn was struggling with injury. Trent Brown was struggling with injury. And that always is a telltale sign of when a player gets a good amount of looks, especially in a Bill Belichick-led team. Josh and Carmen knew what to do with him and how to plug him in. So you're going to see them, I think, start to return him to what he does best, which is, like I said, be that patient lineman that can frame the rusher, keep them in front of him, and be a weapon in pass protection. They'll work with him to try to beef up the run protection as well, and I think that's where the project end of it lies. But ultimately, uh, I I do think that over the course of the year, you're going to start to see him grow. Wouldn't surprise me to see him develop into a spot starter by the end of the season. Definitely by next year, I think he's going to be in the mix.
0: Talking right now with Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots here on Radio Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you.
3: Yeah, not to be a contrarian, but when a player is traded this early in the season, the Patriots, it's more of a question about them. Are they that set on the offensive line to the fact that they can give up a valuable reserve? Because the offense hasn't looked that great in the first two games of the season.
4: Yeah, I think what they're looking for, DeMond, and that's a very good question. I think with the Patriots, I think they're very um, solid when it comes to both Trent Brown and when it comes to Isaiah Wynn at the starting positions. Again, Yannick Ajust just had a very good preseason, and I think he won that job and won over uh, the, the, uh, the Patriots' brain trust with that type of performance. The other thing, too, is the Patriots are starting to incorporate a little more zone run uh, outside zone run into their offense it's not something that's typical of what josh mcdaniels likes to do offensively so i think in that regard that's why justin is headed to las vegas and i think he'll be a good fit there in terms of the patriots just recently, they brought back an old friend of the family, Marcus Cannon, uh, who spent uh, the last couple of years in Houston. Yep. He comes back into the fold now. Wouldn't surprise me to see him work his way back to the 53-man roster. He's on the practice squad right now, but Phil Belichick knows that a veteran presence back there at swing tackle is probably going to help where the youth and the, and the, uh, the speed of a guy like Yannick just will be well complemented by that so I don't think it's necessarily where they figured Justin was expendable I just thought that they right now looked at maybe Yaddi and Marcus being the better fit for what they're doing.
0: Mike I know this has nothing to do with what Justin does on the field but it was brought to my attention something that he did and was a part of off the field that was pretty heroic and uh, saving an old lady from uh, I guess uh, like a sexual assault or something uh, could you start shed some light on what, what was going on with Justin how he, he really came to the aid of this lady?
4: Yeah, I mean, that really, to me, is really what I think the Raiders are going to love about Justin, is you guys are getting a good player, but you're getting a great man. This incident that you're talking about happened in March of 2021. Justin was in Arizona. He was working off-season, trying to get himself, keep himself in shape, was on a walk. He was just basically walking around the park. He described it as a light workout. All of a sudden, he heard these cries for help, and it was a 71-year-old elderly woman that was essentially being sexually assaulted, and Justin, uh, along with another Tempe resident that was in the area, Murray Rogers, who was going to the park to secure a spot for his child's birthday party uh, later in the day, uh, these guys came upon that. They were able to subdue the uh, the assailant. Uh, they were able to calm the victim, and uh, the victim has described both Justin and uh, you know Mr. Rogers as very uh, you know being their heroes, being her heroes, wow. and someone that uh, you know she really felt uh, was such an amazing part of her being saved so it's just the type of guy that justin is after the event he didn't really want a whole lot of fanfare surrounding it Said that he was essentially just doing what he hoped anyone would do in a situation like that he said he did have a little bit of advantage being an offensive lineman and a football player (laughs) he had a sizable advantage but ultimately i mean putting yourself into harm's way like that shows the the heroic act and the heroic heart of a guy like justin harron so again like i said Good football player, great man. I think he's going to endear himself to the Las Vegas public very soon.
0: That's an awesome story. I really That's why I wanted to ask you about it because, like I said, it was brought to my attention. I remember the story, but I didn't realize it was him that was involved in it. So that's thats cool. So thanks so much for sharing that with us. Again, we're talking with the host of the Lock-On Patriots show, Mike DeBate here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, I wanted to also ask you about Josh McDaniels' playbook because through two games, the Raiders are 0-2. They had the epic collapse against the Cardinals last week. But it seems like, and we've had questions if – you know, all the guys know his playbook just yet, but I've, I recall in conversations with you that his playbook is very complex. How long do you think it will probably take for Derek Carr and company to get on the same page and really understand the ins and outs of McDaniel's playbook?
4: Yeah, there's definitely some growing pains, period, and I thought it would have been ironed out a little bit in the uh, the preseason going into uh, you know training camp and whatnot, but it is a very complex book, and it doesn't surprise me. There definitely is no... Um, rhyme a reason to why, uh, you know, it's taken a little bit of time. The New England Patriots took a little bit of time to be able to acclimate to it as well. And, you know, no one knew the book as well as Josh and Tom Brady. Those guys ran it as well as you'll ever see any coach uh, quarterback combination run and offense, uh, you know, really around the NFL. But Josh's philosophy in terms of spreading the ball around, spreading the wealth, utilizing the gap runs, utilizing what his team does well is something that I think Derek Carr is the right quarterback for. Um, I think Josh is going to work his way into uh, incorporating Devontae Adams, who again, I've said this several times on this program, who I believe to be the most complete and talented wide receiver in the NFL. These things are going to click, so I know there are probably a little bit of squeamishness right now in Raider Nation with Mm -hmm. regard to the offense and getting on the same page. Once it comes together, it's going to look pretty good, and these guys have the components and the pieces do it especially with Darren Waller at the tight end position uh, you know they've got you know Josh Jacobs running the ball this is a very talented offense it's a matter of getting the pieces to fit together so I would look for this to start to gel week three week four you're going to start to see progressions uh, by the time that the Raiders hit their stride in late October early November that's when I really expect to see this offense start to take off
3: We always hear about this playbook and how expansive it is, but a little bit earlier you mentioned in the trade that the Raiders made that the Patriots are starting to go away from, let's say, some of the McDaniel stuff and going to a zone-run scheme. Are there some things that maybe that you guys, when you covered the Patriots, thought that Josh would want to do more of that or more of these type of play calls if he had his own team?
4: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I think what happened last year is you're looking at a quarterback in Mac Jones that is very adept at being able to incorporate zone run, outside zone run, into his offensive repertoire. He did it very well in Alabama. That's not something that was Tom Brady's strong suit. So in a lot of ways, I think, um, you know, Josh coming into Las Vegas looks at Derek Carr as the type of quarterback that can run his system and run it well. And I think that's why Las Vegas was probably one of the reasons why he handpicked this, uh, you know, destination for him as being the right fit. He had a number of opportunities over the course of the last few years for any you know whatever reason, Josh took his name out of the running when he spoke with the brass of let's say teams like the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers. He felt that right now this gave him the best opportunity. So in that regard, I do think you're going to see a little bit more maybe gap run uh, incorporate uh, you know into the offense, and I think you're going to see him start to play maybe um, you know having an eleven man personnel with someone like a Waller that can play that tight end position. And utilize the wide receivers in short yardage game. That's what Josh McDaniels loves to do. Uh, I promise you, it won't all be uh, you know calling for uh, runs on, on long third downs <laughs> for much longer. Uh, I think he's going to try to uh, jettison that from his playbook because he was heavily criticized for that here in New England.
0: I remember that. I do remember that. That's one area that uh, a lot of people said, oh yeah, get ready for those third and long runs that are, are seem to be never successful, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> good stuff right there. Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Pass with us here on Radio, Nation Radio 920. Well, great stuff, my man. It's always good to catch up with you and hear from you. Anything you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? See what's going on with the Patriots.
4: Uh, if you're keeping a sharp eye on the Patriots for our matchup later with the Raiders in the season, uh, a lot of what I think they're going to be game planning with, with Las Vegas is going to be evident this week in the Baltimore game. So, you know what, check out uh, Locked On Patriots. We've got a crossover coming up with Kevin Ostreicher of Locked On Ravens tomorrow on Locked On Patriots and also coverage throughout the week of the New England Patriots, including potential injuries to Kyle Duggar, Jacoby Myers, all covered on Pax Country of Sports Illustrated.
0: Boom, there it is right there. Well, great stuff as always, Mike. You know, I always appreciate you. You have great insight, great intelligence, and I'd love to catch up with you here on the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Absolutely,
4: Q. And gentlemen, it's always an honor, always a pleasure. Enjoy the games this weekend.
0: Will do, my man, will do. There he goes, Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, does a great job covering the Patriots like a glove and gives you a little bit of insight there on uh, Justin Heron uh, from the New England Patriots. Offensive tackle started 10 games the last two seasons and uh, did, did pretty well, did a pretty good job, uh, played 100-and-something snaps in uh, in twenty 2020- twenty. Uh, one. Matter of fact, 182 snaps at right tackle. So he's got some experience there as well. Uh, He just needs some development. You heard Mike say he just needed some development. So if he can uh, continue to develop, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to be out there starting on Sunday, but I can see him getting some reps, getting some burn On Sunday, But we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, close out hour number 2, 702-365-9200. Ash, text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We also got Devontae Adams to hear from. We have Derek Carr to hear from. Uh, We have some locker room action. Vinny's starting to send over as well. Got a lot to get to in a short amount of time. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q
0: on Raider Nation Radio. Earlier I was saying one thing about the defense I didn't like was the soft zone that they played, particularly late because the Cardinals were just picking and choosing whenever they did and what whatever they wanted to do. They were just taking advantage of that soft zone. Got a text on the Ash text line at 69187, keyword RNR. I think they were playing zone so everyone could keep their eyes on Murray, and there's no doubt about that. Great text. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I just hate the fact that they were able to just do what they wanted to do late, right? I mean, it was just one of those things you knew that they were going to go out for a little eight-yard, nine-yard pass, right, and then catch the ball and and try to get as many yards after the catch as possible. And, unfortunately, it worked, right? And and a lot of it had to do with that zone. But uh, if you're playing man – and then all of a sudden you you got your back to the quarterback and Murray starts taking off running you are in some trouble so a great text right there definitely appreciate you Derek Carr had a, an opportunity to talk to the media a little while ago at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here's that conversation.
1: Records I called my business manager they thought it was real like I was like that's not me singing
0: <laughs> y'all don't want to hear
1: that. Good has a sense of urgency you know every week should be a sense of urgency but yeah. the feeling that have in the last two weeks going to up the way to it. yeah it's a little more intense I think I, I, if I'm honest the way that <laughs> the way that Josh and everyone in this building has like made it like our mindsets and the way we do it is we win or lose it's going to hurt it's going to we're going to correct it and we're going to work and we, like it's like Even on good days at camp, like bad days at camp, we came in and did the same thing every day. So like he really tries to make it because he's played and you know know, he's coached in some of the biggest games, he's been around it, that he knows that that's the process on how to do it. And so he's just teaching us that, you know, there's no heightened sense of it. It should always be heightened. And like he has really put that pressure, I really mean it, he's really put that pressure on us since day one, like OTAs. I mean, day one, we're learning the system. He's correcting us and teaching us like we had been in it eight years, you know what I'm saying? But we immediately found out that this is the standard, and so uh, like if I'm honest, like it's we came in, and he's the exact same Josh, and he, he expects the same thing at practice and all those kind of things. Honestly, you know, it's probably hard to quantify this. It's not impossible, but when you look at the film, is there a sense that it's uh, kind of right there on, on getting this thing? oh we're very close um but close doesn't count and winning football games and so um you know when we turn the film on we see the things that we're doing good and you feel good about those things and you're like okay we have seen the growth from camp uh in those areas and in the fir- really the first from the first week to the second week you know we saw the growth in some areas but then we're like ah but this we still got to get this right we still got to get that right and i'll let him talk about those things but to me um i truly believe in exactly what he says like Hey, I'm going to tell you what to do. Now let's go out there and let's do it, you know, and see if we can retain it, see if we can handle it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, like, yeah, we're close, but it hasn't, doesn't matter yet. You know what I mean? Small sample size, Derek, obviously it's only the two games in this system, two real games for you anyway. How comfortable are you right now? Yeah, I feel so much more comfortable than I did, like, a month ago, you know. I mean, when you get out there and you do it and you can, like, it's different from the sideline. You know, it's different. Training camp's different, right? Um, there's a different clock in the game because now I'm getting hit, right? There's different things and all that. So um, I can turn the film on and I have experience, like, from that point of view in the system. I have experience hearing his voice, you know, knowing what he wants me to get to. I've always said that even with Gru and with uh, the other guys, you know. I was like, I always wanted to know exa- – I want to go to exactly what he wants. You know, I want him to think, oh, that's exactly where I think the ball is going to go. And so uh, I think that that's going to grow, obviously, but I, I, I think – small sample size first two games hopefully I'm doing some of those things where he's like yep that's what I thought next play you know so he can just feel comfortable in doing that you mentioned that to me I asked him what his comfort level was with your comfort level and he said there was a play in the second half where he kind of saw it and it kind of clicked like that's it exactly you know what he's talking about or? I do yeah yeah I do but I you know I'll let him talk about it you know I don't want I'm not gonna say it you know right. but yeah I know what he's talking about and um you know and, but that's I this far along in my career hopefully I could be able to grab it fast and see something and do what he's teaching me you know and again I'm not perfect by any stretch of the means at all but I'm trying my best just to execute it exactly how he sees it you know and so I, I do I remember that play.
0: You said the aggressiveness will come in time mm-hmm. as you get more and more comfortable you see that as well I mean whether
2: it's yeah. yards down the field the throws down the field I mean he was talking about that this morning in terms of coming in time.
1: Yeah oh yeah yeah that, that stuff comes um, especially depending on there's so many factors, as you know, like there's so many fact. like here's first read, here's second read, but there is this one, you know, and you know, sometimes you're playing a game and you got to get them out. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. But that, that stuff will come uh, uh, for sure. It's, you know, I think that there's been years where we've we've done this and we've had to f- figure it out that way. And there's been years where we're just launching them all the time. You know what I mean? And so uh, there's a fine line, as I've always talked about with that. But as I get more comfortable and I understand exactly what he expects every time, um, you know, we had a good talk after this game and, you know, showing, hey, this play, this play, hey, you did this right, but hey, think about, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And so I'm, I'm getting better at it, too.
2: It looks like they're still
4: kind of sorting things out on the offensive line, rotating. Are you cognizant of who's out there, um, like when you're in the huddle in the game? Does it faze you? Does it impact you at all?
1: You know, I'm definitely, I don't know it during the game. Um, Unless the center changes, you know, because that's the snaps are different, right? Um, but, you know, the way that we've been doing it, we've been doing that at camp, too. So you just kind of get used to that. Um, and so for me, uh, I haven't really noticed, like, okay, he's in now this. You know, like, it's not, I haven't noticed it like that. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, those guys are competing, and whoever they think should be out there, there's going to be out there.
0: Eric, Josh Jacobs, I guess for lack of a better word, has, has looked noticeably energetic uh, this year, obviously before games. But then he said, even when things weren't going your way in the second half, he was on the sideline trying to, 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 to cheer people and make sure people's yeah. minds were right. Um, I, know, I know you've always talked about your positive mindset. But have you seen that from from him as well? And is that something he's always had, or has it kind of developed these years, in with him?
1: Yeah, I think he's being, becoming more vocal. I think he's getting more comfortable with uh, with who he is and all those kind of things. And I think those are all positives, you know. Um, he's such a dynamic player, and, you know, when he runs the way that he can run, you know, I tell him all the time, I'll grab him by, you know, there was a time in the game, I grabbed him by his face mask, and I said, that's how you freaking run, you know. Like, it's exciting, man. It gets everybody, like, going. You know, there was a couple of times where he's making two, three guys miss, turning, boom, and then going, and boom, low on his shoulder, like, that kind of stuff gets is good for everybody. And then when he comes to the sideline, of course you're gonna to listen to that guy, you know, because he's giving his heart out there. And so I've been very proud of him, you know. Um, he's come a long way, um, you know, from when he first got here. He's so so young, you know, and to where he's at now. Uh, I'm very proud of Josh. Remember when that game was. Last uh, year or... i did i did it this last game okay, last oh i did yeah i just he's been doing it but i mean i just i remember this past game i grabbed him and i just like bro that's freaking it you know uh because it just that'll help everybody else um for sure a lot of times the first practice after a, a loss like you guys had sunday tends to be a little bit more intense maybe a little bit more physical is that what you saw out there today yeah i mean we had to bring it um you know and and when it's not to the certain standard coach josh will just tell us like hey let's go you know and so like i, I promise you uh, being around him now i don't i don't know the exact months but there hasn't been a day that's gone by where he misses like one detail you know what i mean and from from whether it's a step or eyes or this or physicality or you know and it's impressive. I told him today, I was like, I was like, thank you. You know, I, I did. I told him thank you because, I was like, when he when he just pushes us and calls everything out, like, we can only get better or you either get better or you just, oh, I don't wanna, you know, I don't want to do it. And then you just, it, you don't end up lasting in the league. You see it year after year. But, you know, when you have someone that cares about you that much to tell you every time to correct you and keep you in line, myself included, like, it's so nice. Like, when he corrects me, I'm like, thank you, you know, because he's always trying to push me in one direction, and that's just to be better.
0: There's Derek Carr right there at the podium. Just some of what he had to say a little bit earlier from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, and uh, got a little fired up there talking about that's how you freaking run, right? And uh, so I'm not going to lie. I started to sweat a little bit when he started to say that. I thought, what is he? Oh, no, he said freaking. Okay, cool. Uh, Derek Carr again talking to the media. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of expectations, man, for this season, right? And they're only 0-2, and I know it feels like the sky is falling, but, You win a game here. You win a game after that. You win a couple games here. I mean, all of a sudden you're right back into the thick of things. And, of course, the season is a long season for every team in the league, not just the silver and black. So he's got to figure it out. He's got to get uh, on the page of knowing exactly what head coach Josh McDaniels wants him to do. And it sounds like he's working his tail off. There's one thing I do believe in Derek Carr is that he's actually out there working his tail off to get everything figured out and do everything the way he's supposed to do it to help put the team in the best position to succeed. Who's one of the guys he's going to be throwing the rock to, and we expect probably to see a lot more come Sunday against the Tennessee Titans? How about Devontae Adams? Now we're number three. We'll hear from Devontae Adams at the podium. We'll hear from Jermaine Illuminor in the Raiders locker room. Plus we'll hear from you at 702-365-9200. Salmonash text line at 69187, keyword r r The question that I threw out there today, who, what player, or what players would you like to see more of uh, incorporated into the game plan this upcoming week. I know a lot of people said Derek Carr. A lot of people said Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. Who's some guys who you haven't seen get a lot of burn that you think can uh, add something, a little bit of a spark, like a uh, to Sean Bauer, like a, uh, a Malcolm Kuntz or someone like that, uh, Amir Abdullah, like the Demon says. Who's someone like that that you think needs to bring a little bit of juice to this team? Let us know about it. This is Red Nation Radio 920.